0: The following podcast is a Dear Media production. She's a lifestyle blogger extraordinaire. Fantastic. And he's a serial entrepreneur. A very smart cookie. And now Lauren Everts and Michael Bostick are bringing you along for the ride. Get ready for some major realness. Welcome to the Skinny Confidential, him and her. Aha! Uh-huh.
1: Well, let me tell you something about marriage. Your partner's not supposed to be your everything. If I need someone to give me what I need, I go to that person. Bert gives me tons of what I need in tons of different areas. But if we're in a disagreement and I can feel like this is gonna have to happen later, I'll call my girlfriend Sandy and go, let me tell you what this asshole just did. And then she will give me everything I need. And then two days later, I can have the real conversation with Bert saying, hey, you know, in that moment, this is what I needed and he can hear me. So everybody kind of knows who they are for me, and I knew who those people are for me, so I can reach out to the right people.
0: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Him and Her Show. Coming in hot off Monday's episode with Burt Kreischer, we have Leanne Kreischer on the show. And dare I say, did she one up Burt? Burt, she might have. Let's see. For those of you that are not familiar with Leanne, Leanne Kreischer is an American actress, writer, podcaster, and the wife of stand up comedian, reality television host, and actor Burt Kreischer. We have a conversation today about her small town upbringing, what it's like to grow up with a narcissistic mother, and the tough decisions she had to make for the good of her family. There's a lot of depth here, Leanne. I had so much to share around relationships and what makes it work, how to get through trauma, how to deal with difficult family members. We dove into so many topics that were kind of off script. We just ended up in a really organic and pleasant conversation, one that we knew was going to be great, but honestly was even greater than we could have expected. And I love podcasts and so does Lauren, where we have a huge brief and then the conversation just becomes so organic that we kind of don't even need the brief. And that's what this conversation was. Leanne is an incredible person. She has a ton of insight to offer for anyone trying to live a better life and be happier, more positive, more productive, especially for the couples out there. So with that, Leanne Kreischer, welcome with the Skinny Confidential, him and her show. This is the Skinny Confidential, him and her.
2: We were saying off air that, to your point, there's two types of people. People that want to be in a sort of stable, consistent situation, but people who are more attracted to like really big, colorful people. Mm-hmm. And it seems like both of you are attracted to colorful people. Yes.
1: Yeah, I, I, I can yes. see that. And I think at the same time, both of us are colorful in our own way, right? Yeah like i i don't know i think a regular guy would not know what to do with me what do you mean explain like i'd be the the crazy this, part of going. me is so pale in comparison to the crazy part of bert but the crazy part of me in a non-crazy situation doesn't help somebody you know what it, does that make sense like it's if i go buy another house okay you know somebody that's more regulated with money with me would be like, hold on, hold on. And Bert's like, what? Let's buy six houses, you know, <laughs> where it kind of is the balance. That may not be the best example, but.
0: No, it's a good example. I, we, you know, Lauren and I talk about this all the time. I always, she says like, who the hell would you date? Like, I mean, I'm a, per, I'm a big personality in my own way compared to her. Correct, maybe not yeah. so much, but also I'm not just turnkey, easy, consistent. Like there's, you know, there's a lot, there's some squirrely ideas going on up here. Totally.
1: Like the Matterhorn as a mountain looks different against the Appalachia than it does the Rockies. But they're all mountains, right? They're all a little different. I would describe so far as you both as you're specific. There's a specific
2: way to be with both of you, Mm -hmm. it seems. Like you need a a certain
1: touch. I
0: know what I want. I feel like you know what you want. All the time. Yeah.
1: And I'm very direct. I'm very linear. Mm -hmm. I'm very literal. I don't play games. I don't have hidden agendas. I don't read into anything. I don't take anything personally. Bert says I'm dead inside. But you don't have to guess where you stand. I don't have to guess where I stand. I don't like that.
0: I get it. That's how I... I always tell people, I said, listen, if I... Tell you something that's actually specifically what I mean.
2: <laughs> exactly. like that's I, weird. But I'm, just not, kidding. I'm, like, <laughs> I'm just
3: kidding. I'm just kidding. Yeah, because
0: with her, she's like, there's like maybe a hidden mean I'm like, no. If I say this is what I mean, it is 100% actually what I mean. There's no hidden agenda. There's no up need for interpretation. It is directly that thing that I'm saying. Yes. I
1: think you could use a little more finesse. I get that note often. Yeah. <laughs> Subtlety finesse yeah just a little massaging how about your directness makes me feel unsafe or yeah
2: or your (laughs) deliveries off is one that I like I have like little points that I say I'm not entertaining this delivery is my favorite that's a great one. yeah the delivery's completely
1: off try again yes Bert could take a note because he goes I don't think you know how you sound that doesn't sound good and I'm like I just said that doesn't look good on you why is that bad do you want me to... How do you want me to say that? I'm not sure. Oh, huh, you guys yeah. have a
0: lot of is it, <laughs> Is it hard being married to a comedian? Because, I like, Lauren is funny, but... I think I'm a comedian. <laughs> well, <laughs> You, you are saying. very charismatic and very funny, She's very charismatic.
2: Leanne's but... actually yeah. meaning that. She means what mean she says. No, no, She's I, not just saying that because we're here on air. She I, actually means that. But
0: I agree with her. But in the sense that... Well, I would hope so. I feel with a comedian, they're co- like one of their jobs is to constantly like pick out things in life that are obvious that people want to call out, but they won't say, but then they can deliver it in a way where it's like, should I be offended? But I also can't because it's funny. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. My, my, and I would imagine that that is challenging being on the other end of that consistently at times.
1: Okay. I've been asked this question a lot. Almost nothing he says bothers me if it's funny if it's it funny. can't be mean right mm-hmm. he can't say something mean about me publicly right he can say it to me but not publicly because it's a misrepresentation of who i am i'm not a mean person i'm not a bitch i'm not difficult i'm not and so my only requirement through our whole relationship is that if he's going to say it it be it be funny it has to be funny and a lot of people don't know this but i was i wrote comedies i wrote rom-com script screenplays before i met him i was a writer for a long time before i met bert so i understand writing comedy from having been a writer so i get it like in the very beginning one of his first specials he talked about sex with me a lot like and people were like how do you let him say that and i'm like do you not have sex do you not have mishaps in sex do you not have like stupid things like farting while you're does that not happen to you because it happened to me, and if we all laugh about it, then maybe we can not take it so serious.
2: Leanne, you're right? going to die.
1: Huh. He's never farted in front of me. I've known
2: him since he was 12. Really? Ever. No one can believe that. Like That's a guy. That's control. It, How do you control it? Or with each other 24-7. Well, wow. Have you ever farted in front of him?
1: I don't think so. Have I?
0: A lot of times. Just a huge farter.
1: No, I'm not a huge farter. <laughs> I don't think so. That's just free.
0: No, I'm just kidding. That's not true
1: either. Well, you guys are way more elegant no. than me. Should I show myself out? No. No, 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 <laughs> I'm no. Just no. Kidding. I'm no, just kidding. No, I, I just think it's so interesting because I've
2: never heard a guy not far. It's, it's a weird thing about you. Yeah, I got a
0: problem. I got a lot of problems. Listen, who knows? Maybe don't I, we all?
2: So go back to you I was um, I just,
0: shamed endlessly in my childhood and it's probably manifesting in strange ways, but we'll, So you used we'll see. to be
2: a writer, so you understand. So when you would say sex jokes about you, you you it, it doesn't it doesn't bother you. No,
1: it really doesn't bother me. It, well, I, yeah, I can it see that. It sounds like you also, no.
0: you're in on the joke and you know it's not mean-spirited, and it's funny.
1: It's not presented as mean-spirited. It's so funny, he was working on a bit last night at the improv, and he said something negative about me, and it came out wrong. And I'd heard it before on stage many, many times, where it came out right, and it was really funny. And last night, it sounded mean. Like, can you give us an example? Gosh, I don't know. But it's, what was cool about it is when he got in the car, he went, that came out mean. He knew. That didn't work. And I went, no, it didn't work. You're right. But the way you were doing it in Omaha was great. So just go back to that. And he's like, okay, cool. So, so he, he's he self-aware. It. He's so self-aware. Yes. I want to know more about
2: you. Okay. Pre-birth. Okay. How, how'd you grow up? Where'd you grow up? Oh, Lord. Yeah, I want to know. How the, long is this l- podcast? L- l- yeah, let's, let's talk about your childhood. You mentioned you were a writer
1: before him. Let's talk about all that. okay. Well, I grew up in a small town in Georgia. It's called Bowden. It had about 1,600 people. Wow. I was there until I was seven. My parents divorced when I was seven, and my mom moved to Atlanta. She was a model in Atlanta. My dad was a mechanic in rural Georgia. It is my belief that my mom has quite a bit of mental health problems, and so it's a dicey, dicey way to grow up. She also moved me into the gay community because she thought the best place for a single mom with a single daughter was with a bunch of gay men so I didn't grow up with a lot of kids but I grew up with a lot of fabulousness that was interesting it was lonely though because there's no kids it was like there's no going out in the street and playing with anybody there was no one to play with so I lived with her until I was 13 and then moved back with my dad and graduated from high school in my really teeny tiny small town and then went to college and then moved to Atlanta for college and hated it and then moved to New York and then started writing. That's kind of the abbreviated version.
0: When you say your mother suffered mental illness, what what are we talking about?
1: I believe that she has a personality disorder. I say I believe because she's never been diagnosed and I don't think it's fair for me to just say, you know, that. But I've been in therapy for a long time. And my belief in my therapy is that she has some real serious personality disorder and maybe some sociopathic stuff.
0: And and how would that manifest as your child? Would she literally split into another person? No,
1: that's like split personality kind of thing. I believe she has narcissism as a disorder. And narcissism as a disorder basically Mm -hmm. requires that you be exactly what she wants you to be or you're actually kind of life-threatening. So you're rejected. So many times in my life, I've been... Fully disowned, like completely like a goodbye for years at a time, because of an argument. She was very focused on my health. So she grew up Southern Baptist, But when she moved and became a model, she became Maharishi Mahishi Yogi and got very into that brain. So when I was really small, I had to take like twenty one vitamins a day. I had oh, to drink geez. niacin, I had to take spirulina. I, I could only eat completely whole foods. Uh, no sugar, no processed foods at all. I was uh, terribly underweight. She also monitored my bowel movements pretty aggressively. Holy shit. She, she, I was a super big tomboy, and she was not into that, being a model. She was really all about what I looked like, and I was all about rebelling against all of that. I also watched her lie quite a bit. Uh, she's had six marriages. I watched a lot of deceit. And uh, knew from a really young age that something was wrong with her, that her ethics were really off, that her morals were really off. Because my dad is very, a very good person. I just didn't live with my dad. So I had this set of people who were just really good, salt of the earth, you know, kind of what you see is what you get, straight shooting people. And then I would go home to my mom where everything was sideways, right? Nothing was true. She would— I would say, that's a great denim shirt. And she'd go, that's not denim, it's flannel. And you go, hold on, I'm pretty sure that's a denim shirt. So my whole... So she
0: would do things right before your eyes that you knew.
1: Correct. It almost sounds like, I know this word
2: is like so overused, but it's like gaslighting a little bit.
1: Well, yeah, I think it's gaslighting, but from a different intent, maybe. For her, it was like, almost like she was protecting herself by keeping herself on top. So for her... I know that she came from a lot of trauma, and I know that, that the type of trauma she came from is usually the cause of this type of personality disorder. So it tracks. And all the studying I've done of, hey, why did why was it like this? It all adds up for me, even though she's never been diagnosed or had any help. What I've looked into, all the dots kind of connect. I, so...
2: We had an expert that came on this podcast about narcissism, and I asked them if there's any cure for it. And Mm -hmm. he said, the only thing you can do literally is put them on stage. He's Mm -hmm. like, interesting. That's it. Hmm. So and limit exposure, obviously. But Mm -hmm. like if you're at a Thanksgiving dinner with someone who's a narcissist, like, You don't want to be quiet. You don't want to fight with them. You don't you all the different ways that you could handle someone that's that's problematic. He said, just put him on stage. Hmm. He's like, it's literally just the easiest way to deal with it.
1: Interesting. And
2: whenever I deal with someone who has tendencies, I that to me, I thought that was really good advice.
1: Yeah, it's great advice.
2: It's, it's really a hard one because there isn't a lot of ways to deal with it. You and just I said
0: there's absolutely nothing you can do in an argument and nothing you can do to change. Like, it's just, they can't see it themselves. It's mm-hmm. impossible. Yeah. So no matter what, you're they're always either going to victimize themselves or blame you. It's they, they, just impossible for them to even see any other reality.
1: That That's my experience. Yes, that would be accurate.
2: When you went to live with your dad, was she angry at you or was she fine with
1: it? She didn't see or talk to me for a year and a half. She also burned all my baby pictures and threw away anything that I left in her house. Wow. You know what's really hard? What? Is is all of all of what you're saying is horrible. But when
2: you become a mother mm-hmm. and you hear that and mm-hmm. or you look back and you reflect on your childhood when you're a mother, mm-hmm. it's a whole different it hits different. Mm-hmm. It hits totally different when you hear that as a mother. Cause you're like, oh my God, can you imagine throwing away your daughter's baby pictures? Like that's horrible
3: mm-hmm.
2: it's horrible it makes me want to cry for you that's that's just it's psychopathic what did you say sociopathic, sociopathic. yeah i mean it is mm-hmm. it is so when so when you were in it and you were little did you know that she was that there was something wrong with her or just reflecting back and doing therapy
1: no i knew it i knew, it. knew it i felt very unsafe in my house i stopped talking as much as I could when I was in my house with her I stopped interacting with her I actually stopped letting her give me an affection I mean she there were positive parts to her too she was really fun she was very very gregarious she was beautiful like five eight blonde green eyes just gorgeous she didn't have any friends but she was very friendly in public right so I I didn't trust her because she changed so much from public to private and I never knew when I was doing something wrong right the rules would change constantly so it's not like I said oh I definitely can't you know put my glass down without a coaster that I'm you know that was true actually but there were certain rules that I just would shift and I wouldn't know it so I, I remember just feeling very unsafe to show her any part of who I was so I just I just shrank. I just continued to shrink and shrink and shrink and shrink. And then all of that shrinking kind of catapulted out in high school with drinking and bad behavior and getting arrested and all kind of stuff where I was kind of working out all these repressed emotions I'd had. And my dad was just, you know, he's just a good old boy. He was like, I was going to ask what, I don't what know, could he do about on. it. I mean, didn't, know it. didn't
2: It know sounds like she's on. like a borderline with like covert narcissism. Like, mm-hmm. it's, it sounds like it's like a mixture of mm-hmm. something. It was a mixture. Do you think the reason that you're so literal, like you mentioned mm-hmm. now, is because your mom was so wishy-washy and vague? Yes,
1: 100%. That
2: makes a lot of sense. Yep. That you're like, tell it how it is because you grew up where, like, you didn't know one day from the next.
1: That's right. Yeah. Yeah, I I can't. I don't like that. And I don't read into anything either because my whole childhood was about, well, does she mean that or doesn't she? And (sighs) the exhaustion that causes for you to just overthink a simple statement like, you know, eat your apple or whatever she would say, I would just overthink all of it, trying to just stay out of her crosshairs. Yeah, it was really hard, that part of it. And then the unraveling of it later is really hard, also. I'm in a great place now. You know, to your point, when I got pregnant with Georgia, she and I were in a little bit of an argument. She hadn't disconnected yet. Your she mother disconnected, and you. E- my mother and I. Yeah. Yes. We had another big argument when I was 23. And she disconnected from me again for years. I was dead again at 23. And then at 33, when I got pregnant with Georgia, we were having a little back and forth, a little bit of mm-mm. And um, when I told her I was pregnant, that was the last draw for her. And she was like, I don't ever want to see you again. Talk to you again. I don't know your kids. I don't well, know your why husband. Was, why,
0: would, why was she upset that you were pregnant?
1: She was upset that um, I had. the attentions off her? I think that's ultimately it, but I had been trying for a long time to get her to pick up the phone so I could tell her, and she wouldn't answer the phone, and I kept leaving messages going, I have something I need to tell you. I need to tell you something. Call me. And she just wouldn't. So she left me no choice. So I sent her an email saying, after trying to call you for like six weeks now, um, you're going to get a wedding invitation. I'm pregnant. How about you? you know, show up or something. And that was she emailed me back. And it was just the worst email. It was so bad. I printed it out and kept it so that I would never forget how she treated me. Because, you know, you make you normalize, right? You go, oh, maybe it wasn't as bad as I thought, or "Mm, maybe I misunderstood, or maybe she didn't really mean that. But in writing, I printed it and Bert's sister was with me when it came in. I printed it and gave it to her. And I was like, just read this. Like, this is my mom. And Bert's sister started crying. And she went, I can't believe this is your mom. That's oh. horrible. So after that, I was like, you know what? I think I'm done. You've been done every year. I'm done So But what did she say then? Nothing.
2: And is, still she, done. is she still alive right now? Yep. And you, and you don't talk to her? Nope. There's this book by Jeanette McCurdy, and it's called. I. I'm glad my mom died.
0: I got, that like that book mm-hmm. went crazy, right?
2: You have to read it if you haven't read it. Okay, I haven't. It's the way you're describing your mom is like eerily similar.
1: Interesting. Yeah,
2: it's and her mom did end up passing away, but she right. or just, yeah, I'm glad my mom died. Is what it's called. So obviously her mom passed away, but it's really.
0: It's a crazy title for a book, isn't it? It's yeah.
2: such a good book. If anyone is going through. Similar situations that you're talking about. It's
1: such a good book. I'll definitely read it. Yeah, for sure.
2: So you, so you printed it out and you saved it, and whenever you feel, um, oh, it, I don't look at it. You don't look at it. No,
1: I don't need to look at it.
2: Yeah, you just know. I know it's there, it. but I have it.
1: Yes, and you know, for years after that, Bert kept going. Isn't there something you can do? And isn't there some way you can, you know, bridge this gap? Or there's got to be something you can do. And I was like, No, I've been doing this my whole life, and no. So I was still in a relationship with her parents. I still, I brought my kids to see her parents because, you know, who has great grandparents these days? And mine had several. So I was like, well, I want you to know my mom's family just because she's wackadoo doesn't mean you don't need to know everybody else. And I guess Georgia was probably about eight and Isla was six. And my mom just walked in the door and she was like, hey, it's your nanny. And I fully shut down, like completely became like seven years old, nonverbal, not talking, unresponsive, disconnected, Totally disassociated myself from the entire environment. And Bert watched this happen, watched my mom act as if she saw my daughters last week. She'd never seen them before, ever, had never met Bert.
0: Well, she was like, What the fuck is going on? Everybody
1: was like, What the fuck? And I just totally went blank. And when it was over, she said, Well, maybe now I'll come out to California and see y'all. And Bert went, Oh, I'll never see you again. I've never seen you before. I'm never going to see you again. And about a week later, she sent a letter to me misspelled my name oh my God. and I recognized your handwriting and I got it out of the mailbox I gave it to Bert and I said I don't want to know what's in this letter but will you read it because if it's nice I'll read it but if it's not nice I don't want to hear about it so he goes in the backyard reads the letter and he comes back in and goes she's not ever allowed in our family again and I went now you get it this is what I've been dealing with my whole life did you ever read the letter nope you never read it don't need to know that bullshit nope send it to my dad also and I was like, I just want you to know what I'm dealing with over here. And my dad was like, yeah, I think good choice. Just don't ever let her back in your life. Good choice. So
2: but even the fact that she spells your name wrong is such a, <laughs> it's like, it's such it's a, a, It's no, it, it feels premeditated almost. Yeah,
1: it, it's like a nephew. Did yeah. you
0: ever figure out what happened to her when she was a kid? Like, Yeah, I know what happened to her. Okay. I don't know
1: that I should say. No, 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 no. Be, no, no saying, it's not her business. business. No, you don't have to but say it, yeah. but
0: I'm saying you figured out what Yeah, she, she told me. Okay.
1: Yeah.
2: So... So when all of this is going on, you're you're already married to Bert. the The third time she just told me, yeah. And so when you guys get married, mm-hmm. is he already famous? Walk, no, not. So you guys, this has been together. You guys have built this. Talk yeah. to us about that. How did you guys meet? I think
0: that's the best. Oh,
2: no, it is the best. It is the best. It is the best. Is the best. How did you guys Going meet? through it together? When you met him, did you both know that you guys both wanted to be famous? I didn't want to be famous.
1: You don't want anything to do with it? Well, no, not that I didn't want anything to do with it. That definitely was not my goal. Did you know that he was going to be famous when you met him? I don't know. That's an interesting question. I don't think fame was ever the focus. It was, for me, it was the art, right? It was the art. It was the craft of writing a really good hour. I love being a part of that. I do not write for Bert. I do not write a single word. But I am really good at telling him what works and what doesn't work. I am good at saying, hey, you've used the word that 15 times in the last three minutes. Let's use that one time and pick a different word. Like, and when you're on stage, you're so in a flow that it's hard to hear yourself. You know, so I've always been the person that's in the audience going, that worked. But like, just like what I just said, you've said that word three times. Just pick a different word. Oh, okay, not aware I'm doing that. So we've always collaborated like that. But we met Bowling. We had a mutual friend who brought him Bowling, and we were singles versus couples. And at the end of Bowling, I said to our mutual friend, hey, give him my phone number. I I was actually dating someone else for like a month. And I was like, give him my phone number. We'll have a couple dates, and we'll be friends forever. I'm not marrying a comedian. But I'd love to, to know him better. So he did, and Bert never called me. So I called our mutual friend and went, what's going on? Like, I'm a cute girl. We had a blast. Why didn't he call me? And he just goes, ask him yourself. And handed Bert the phone. And I went, dude, what's going on? Why didn't you call me? And he just stuttered and stammered and stuttered. And I went, hey, I'm going to give you a hint. If you ask me out, I'll say yes. And he goes, do you want to go out? And I went, yes. So he hangs up the phone and turns to our mutual friend and goes, she just wants me for my body. <laughs> so he showed up to pick How me up. How was his body at this moment? His body was rocking. His body was He was 185 rocking. pounds. Hey. Yeah, like he's 230 right now. So he looked great. Um, But that definitely wasn't what I was after. Um, So he shows up for the date, pulls up in front of my apartment building and blows the horn. And I come out of my apartment and I'm dressed for a date, like heels dress. And he has a panic attack, realizing this is a real date, that I'm not just like some booty call. Can't tolerate his shoes, can't really tolerate his shirt much doesn't eat dinner, but doesn't want the dinner to end. So when dinner ends, we go somewhere else for dessert, doesn't want that to end. We go somewhere else for a nightcap, doesn't want that to end, goes to Ralph's to pick up a six pack of beer, brings me home and I'm like, dude, it's like 2.30, like bye-bye, nice date. 9.30 the next morning, what are you doing tonight? Next day, what are you doing tonight? Next day, what are you doing tonight? And I don't think I've spent many days without him. In my life, at least, obviously, he travels then. a lot since then, since our first date. I love stories mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. I, I say to
2: Michael that we're codependent but independent at the same time. That's interesting We're codependent one. within, we're independent within like, the we don't codependency. Like to, we don't like to spend right? time apart. So I get that. No, you know, Some okay.
0: people get like, I don't want to go in the boy's church or the girl. I get it. Like, we like to, if we're going, like I'm going. She's I get, going, she's going. I get
1: what You just you like being together. Well, yes and no. I mean, I'm cool with him traveling. Like, he's codependent. I am super independent but I like that he I listen I got abandonment issues for obvious reasons he ain't going anywhere so that part of it is what works for me yeah that's nice you may go on the road but you're coming back and I don't have never doubted that for one second so I think that's the piece for me that was really important is that I finally have somebody who's really never leaving because I couldn't get rid of him if I tried I mean like from day one Let me tell you what
2: the move is for Valentine's Day. I'm going to give you a hack. So you're going to give this for Valentine's Day, but you're also going to get something out of it. (laughs) This is what I would do. I would get your significant other non-toxic kitchenware. This is such a good move because you can also use it for yourself caraway has the best non-toxic options i bought all my cookware there i got like the cookware set that's on their site it has like 40 5 five-star reviews i got the classic cream i cook my kids eggs on it i'll put bone broth on it and i'll leave it out on the stove because it looks so cute i'll even make french toast on it and i'm obsessed with it because i know it's non-toxic But also it's super sleek and things slide right off of it. So you don't have to use a bunch of oil and butter and it's really easy to clean. You should know that Caraway products are made without any toxic materials like PFSA, PTFE, or any of those other hard to pronounce chemicals. They also have different colors on their site. I'm really into the navy too. There's like a navy one. Everything is chemical-free ceramic coating and we have a code for you. Visit carawayhome.com slash him and her to take advantage of this limited time offer. You get 10% off your next purchase. This deal is exclusive for our listeners. So visit carawayhome.com slash him and her or use code him and her at checkout. Caraway, non toxic cookware made modern. Since I got pregnant with Zaza, I have been on the hunt for clean makeup. And I like clean makeup, but I want to make sure it works. And something that I've found recently that really, really works, and I actually heard about it through Gracie Norton and Melissa Wood Health, who have both been on this podcast, is Say's Glowy Super Gel Lightweight Dewy Multipurpose Illuminator. It's kind of like a highlighter. I like to use it in the middle of my nose, and I also like to use it in the inner corners of my eyes. I feel like it just gives you a little glow and like pinches the nose in. The one that I like because there's different finishes is the Star Glow. It's a universal champagne and it lays so nice. It gives you that like wet glassy look. I really like that. It's super, super glowy and it's perfect and it's clean. So it like hits all the points. Say has won multiple awards for their Glowy Super Gel, the one that I like And I'm telling you, once you use this, you'll never go back to any other highlighter. It really illuminates your skin. It's not super heavy. It's light. It's hydrating. It's brightening. It's youthful. It's refreshing. I'm into it. It's not like chunky or shimmery. I think you're going to love it so much. They also have a slip tint SPF 35, tinted moisturizer, and even a dew blush. They have a lot of good products. You can shop, say now, at Sephora.
0: Quick break to talk about one of my favorite online platforms, and that is NerdWallet. It is so overwhelming trying to seek out the right financial advice, figuring out what to do, what to use as a consumer. When it comes to credit cards, there are so many options out there. I want the absolute best option that's going to give me the best benefits and put more back in my pocket, which is why I love NerdWallet so much. NerdWallet lets you compare top travel credit cards side by side to maximize your spending, some even offering 10x points on your spending. So what could a future you look like with better rewards? Could that look like a free flight, room upgrades, more cash back, better financial decisions? You can figure all of this out and compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. I wanted to ask you something from a different perspective. So we have all sorts of people on the show and I always say and believe that the most challenging art form is stand-up comedy, because we can do this, we can edit it, we can mess around. Like it's different. Or a writer can sit in a room and then, you know, you know, but stand-up, you're there, you're in front of people, you're live, you're being critiqued instantly. You can, it's so hard. And we've asked comedians how they deal with it, but from your perspective, seeing the peaks and valleys, the ups and downs, what do those downs look like when someone's like really going through it and struggling? Because you've seen him go through everything Mm -hmm. and i imagine it it hasn't always been great times at ridgemont high here you know
1: no it hasn't relative to stand up when he's in a low the my perspective is that's where growth happens growth doesn't happen when you're on top it happens when you're on the bottom because you have incentive and motivation and you have a desire to self-reflect and go hey What's happening here? And why am I stuck? or why am why am I flopping? Like what's not working? And Bert has an amazing ability to stay in that for a minute, but he doesn't stay in it too long. So I think you can get stuck in it, not just as a stand-up, but as a human. You can really get stuck at the bottom. And you have to you have to really want to get out of the bottom. And he doesn't want to stay in the bottom but I think he understands the value of it because that's where his growth really happens.
0: Because yeah, I imagine that occupation specifically has a tendency to wash out a lot of very talented people that just can't hang in it.
1: Yes. I think there's a lot of factors that wash out really talented people and stand up. One is until you make it, you're broke. Mm-hmm. And if you can't, if you don't have a side hustle, if you don't have a partner who's supporting you in some capacity financially, I think it's, it's really difficult in the beginning, you know, to be willing to live with multiple roommates and, you know, those kind of things when you, as you age and as you kind of get, old, you know, older, you don't want to do that. But that's kind of what has to happen for a lot of people. It goes from the haves and have nots are so very vastly different in stand up that I think just that part of the lifestyle, not even the confidence in what you're doing on stage, not even, The art form its just the life you have to lead to be able to get in, be in it long enough, to be in front of enough eyes long enough, and to get on the right person's tour that you're opening for. That road, just the semantics of it, is so difficult. When you met him, you were writing, correct? Yes, I was writing. I I wrote one screenplay that was made. I had four that were optioned, and I was in a deal to develop a novel into a screenplay. Wow. And then I got pregnant. I got pregnant on the pill, which yeah. is super fancy. Then I got really morning sick, and I, I was morning sick for a long time. So by the time all that was over and I was massively pregnant and Georgia was born, Bert went on the road when she was three days old. So from that point on, I was like, my life, I choose and would not change at all, paused. Like, my goals paused. At that point, I was a little farther ahead than Bert was in the scope of Hollywood, but I could hold a regular job and I just don't think Bert Kreischer could do that. I don't think he could hold a regular job. So I uh, managed apartment buildings. I managed a 139 unit apartment building while I was at home with my kids and he left. So the good thing about that time period was we were really broke together. We couldn't really afford a nanny, although I was working nine to five. So we only had a nanny on Thursday, Friday, which is the two days he was out of town. And Bert was the nanny, the dad, not a nanny, but he was fully on duty from nine to five, you know, or a little more than that. So, you know, he'd put the girls in the stroller and walk a block down the street to Trader Joe's and get stuff for dinner and cook dinner and have the kids ready to eat by the time I got home from work. And I paid the rent and I had benefits and I had a little paycheck and he brought his 500 bucks a week home from stand-up and we made it work I mean one of our favorite stories that we sit today and what we've built together today is one time in that apartment he came he I got home and he was like hey I need 50 bucks i want to go play poker at this big tournament with all these like famous people I was like I don't have it and he said let's go to the bank and get it and I went dude I don't have it like, we don't have $50. I have $27 in the bank. So I can give you $27, but then we've got nothing till my paycheck. So, wow. and he was like, oh, well, I guess I'm not going to play poker. And it, he had a little unraveling going, this is a networking opportunity. I'm going to meet all these famous people. I really need $50. And I was like, dude, if I could pull it out of my hair, I would. I don't have it. And then we sit here today and go, remember that day when we didn't have $50? He obviously didn't end up going. No, he didn't go. He couldn't go. No, couldn't go.
0: Wow, that's a
2: crazy story. So you guys were broke, broke. We were broke, broke. Yeah. Don't you look back
0: on that now and think the relationship is so much stronger because of that? I always like uh, Lauren and I've been together a long time, and you know I think sometimes people can look at an end product or some of the places we've ended up, but like we've been doing stuff together for you know, 20 years mm-hmm. and it hasn't always looked like this. We weren't sitting in a fancy office, <laughs> but when we, like the, when I think back on our time together, like those are the moments I appreciate the most. I think that's like, that's the bedrock of making a strong relationship. You can't, you know, if you just jump into the end with someone, I think that I, I envy people that have kind of gotten to the end and then start dating mm-hmm. because I think you, it, it's harder to kind of build the bond that that you that you build when you're going through struggle, make yeah, sense?
1: it does make sense. I think it's a different kind of bond. Yeah. So you you see people who meet each other when they're already successful and they're happy, but to me it looks like it looks like it's not a layer cake. You know, it's kind of like a cheesecake, which is delicious and amazing, but you know, you get in all those layers and all that kind of, you know, it's good. It's too strong. It's too thick. It's too It just makes it so much more dynamic. I don't know that one is necessarily better than the other, just like two people who are the same being married, if that works for them, great. But that's definitely not my perspective. I think that we appreciate, listen, we have two words in our family that we live by. It's our creed, and that's grace and gratitude. Wake up every day with gratitude, and you should have every moment of your day should be dictated by grace. And grace is a multi-purpose word, right? It can mean spiritual things to people. It can mean poise. It can mean just being kind. So I chose those two words, and I chose them on purpose. We named Isla, Isla, grace, because grace is a beautiful meaning. I don't even—I think it's a little more than a word. So we try to—we have for a very long time said gratitude and grace, gratitude and grace, even when you're broke, even— what a what an opportunity to have to be able to see a talent i saw a talent in bert that bert saw in himself that we both believed in and we both nurtured and crafted and strategized and built together and, and then on the side we have these two wonderful children that we did the same thing with right so It's been a really amazing experience, and I don't have a roadmap for that. My dad's been divorced a couple times. My mom's been divorced six times. I don't have any kind of roadmap. I just kind of had to go, I don't want what I've experienced. So let's figure out something new. That's a good way to
0: look at it, though. A lot of people, I think it's more common to go to what's familiar. Mm -hmm. You
1: know? Yeah. I look
2: at, from afar, the way that you guys parent your children, and it's really cool. It seems like you guys are friends. With your kids, also it seems like you're a parent at the same time, both, and it seems like you guys are almost like a tribe. Mm. This is from totally outside perspective. You could tell me if I'm wrong, but it's it seems like it's a cool way to
1: parent. Can you sort of describe your your ethos on parenting? Yes, I thank you. That's a, an enormous compliment. I think we are like a tribe. My approach to parenting, Bird was a uh, Bird's a pretty free range guy. Boundaries are not his favorite thing. Being linear and being kind of the raised the way I was raised, boundaries are all I had. My mom was like, "I could the bumpers were so tight I couldn't move." So I knew I didn't want that, but I understood that boundaries were important. That boundaries and some when they're healthy make you feel really safe, right? So if someone says you're a pro wrestler and you have to be inside these ropes. You can go bananas, right? I'm pro wrestling, it's not, probably not the right one. Boxing. Let's say boxing. You go bananas in those ropes. You step outside the ropes. There are different rules, right? So I kind of approached parenting that way. Bert and I do this thing that's really interesting. We kind of decide who's the leader, right? So we've remodeled several houses, and I'm the leader. So I go, okay, here's a, here's like a, here's a picture book of things I'm thinking. I need you to sign off on this and leave me alone. So because he's never home. You're the leader. I I can't wait for him four days later to come home and have a discussion about the fact that Isla didn't turn in her homework. So we would figure out our value system, agree on it, and then agree that in the generalities of it, I would implement those. And then when something big or something out of the ordinary comes up, we're a team. And he's always got my back. So we always made sure the two of us were a team. It was not... Bert and I lay against mom. You know, it was Bert and mom, not against each other, but you're not separating us. That was really important. And I think Bert and I's value systems line up so much that some of those boundaries were really easy. Now, the difference between the two of us is he didn't really understand bedtime or like put your dishes in the sink when you're done eating or you mm-hmm. got to eat a healthy meal before you can have the ice cream sandwich. He didn't really want to mess around with that kind of crap. But I think those types of boundaries dictate your whole life. Like if you don't have healthy habits in place as you grow up, it's so much more difficult to create them as an adult. So why wouldn't you do it when it's easy? You know, a broken bone on an eight-month-old heals in two weeks. At 53, it takes me a lot longer. So I kind of approached it that way. And I always thought to myself, Bert and I both, have such a curiosity about life in general, that when we had kids, we asked the question regularly, who are you? Not, you are this, right? Who are you? Who are you? And show me who you are and where your interests are and and where your emotions are and where your mental health is. And we'll figure out, because we're the adults here, where you need some help, right? Because no one's perfect. Everyone has something they have to work on. And we try to present that as humans ourselves. We're not perfect parents. And anytime we made a mistake parenting, we made sure to own up to it. You know, I may have overreacted here and I have to apologize for my overreacting. However, the base is still accurate. You know, to to Mm -hmm. let them know that I can make a mistake and still be right about the situation.
0: As a family, how have you guys now dealt with the success and the attention, because it's, I think that, we t- I talked to so many people on the show about that dynamic when it's, and it's such a strange thing to go from little attention to a whole t- lot of attention. And you see people kind of go both ways with it. Some people really do well with it and some people completely derails them. And How, how have you guys, not just Bird, but you and the family dealt with that newfound attention?
1: That's a that's a tough one. It really has been tough. I'm sure. I think we had the benefit of having many years of being anonymous. Right. Mm -hmm. Many, 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 many years. So the kids, you know, my my therapist says you you make deposits in an account and sometimes you have to withdraw. But if your deposits outweigh your withdrawals, you're okay at the end of the day. So we felt like we made so many deposits in their early life of just being regular parents. And he, you know, he may as well have been a banker as far as they were concerned. They had no idea what he, they never even saw him do stand-up till last summer. So we haven't, they're not in that world. And how old are they? 17 to 19. They just saw him do Mm stand-up. They've never even seen a special. They've never seen anything. They would go to the special taping and then as soon as the comedy started, they'd leave. They didn't want to see it. They didn't want to know him as a comic. They just wanted him to be dad. Wow, And, you know, at a certain age, we wouldn't let them see his comedy. It's clearly <laughs> not age-appropriate. But at a certain age, yeah. we gave them the option, and they chose not to. So we honored that, you know? And it was a little hard for Mr. Burt, because he was like, what the, they, don't they know who I am? Don't they know how important I am in comedy? I'm like,
2: to my kids, your first word is skinny, confidential. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> they don't know.
1: I'm just kidding. They're rolling their faces out of their no. So, um, they don't like the fame. They don't like it when people approach us. They don't like being interrupted. Who does? Who who wants someone to just come up to your dinner table and go, hey man, can I get a picture as you're putting a bite of food in your mouth?
2: Well, Joe Rogan says that on his podcast, he goes, don't come up to me when I'm with my kids.
1: Right. He just says it. Don't Mm -hmm. come up to me when I'm with
2: my kids. I
1: almost think there should be a rule about that. I agree with you. I think it would be great if people would not come up when we're with our kids. Because the kids don't get it. They don't get it. I mean, my kids are old enough to get it now, but they don't like it. Yeah. Because they didn't sign up for this. The the flaw that we had as parents, and this is 100% our fault, and we've owned this up to our kids, is Bert put them on Instagram before we really knew what Instagram was as a society. Like, Instagram wasn't what it is today when he started posting on Instagram, and Bert wasn't famous then. So for him, he was just putting his kids on Instagram like any dad would. Like, are you talking like
2: he has 100 followers just posting them online? Like, what do you mean?
1: Like early, early, early early days days when he didn't have many followers. Got it. As the followers grew, he just kept posting, not thinking about neither of us really thought that we really never thought we would be here.
2: How can right? you even strategize that without having any, like, you can't strategize. It's not, there's no you know, blueprint. The whole, as exactly. talking, I feel bad for you guys because it's like, as you put them on Instagram, you don't think. No,
0: but that's a mind fuck to think about even for us because the kids are so young. Like, but then you start to think about what happens when they're 13, 14, 15. Mm-hmm. So they actually care what they look like and how they're perceived and all, so, and all so that. So
2: what happened? Did they come to you later on when the when the Instagram blows up?
1: Yeah. They they what they say? I don't want to be on your Instagram anymore. And all their Instagrams are private, and they don't want anybody to see anything about that. They're cool with me and him; totally fine. You can have my dogs, but they don't want to be on it.
0: Well, think about it. So
2: they don't—they're not showing up on. Would Instagram? you want your
0: parents running around and
1: posting not really, you when you're thirteen? No. Very little.
2: I can't put myself in her daughter's shoes because I w- want to tap dance on the table.
0: Yeah, we, we've been saying. Like, that I, I, said, I, don't
2: think I'm the right person to ask. Somebody said you wanted a, to tap dance on the table. I wanted to interview. Listen, I, I came out of the womb like. There's a
0: saying that describes Lauren perfectly. She's the bride at every wedding and the corpse at every funeral. That she. Oh my god! I mean, I don't uh, don't ask me. Yeah, she. But,
1: but she's not a narcissist, uh, so that doesn't. No, no I don't. I'm oh, not, not a narcissist. But she's one of those. I'm people, not a narcissist, but I just like like I like to. You're a shiny star. I, no, I just like to
0: perform. I saw. Listen, this is the truth. I saw her in the sixth grade sixth, sixth grade play. When I was 12, and she came out in this blue, shiny sequence dress. We were singing, girls just want to have fun, oh fully develop. God. And I was like, I am, that was That's it. That's my thing. That was it, I'm sold.
2: Yeah, I saw a picture of that the other day. It wasn't that, I, I think you've played it up to me. Oh, be for sure, I was
0: 12 that. years old. I was, And I was looking at a you. fully developed woman. It can be woman.
2: whatever he needs whatever. it to be. You, you masturbate to me in that dress I'm all gonna, you want. Gonna, yeah. yeah well, you, now go, it's, you go.
0: You do what I, you I it. I put the song. I put that song on yeah. when I. Yeah.
2: But I cannot <laughs> compare myself to your girls because I don't think I'm the right person to ask. But I can understand how, how, they just maybe just don't want to be in the spotlight like that. They don't. Well, and it's a lot. And of I think people it's cool now. you guys respect that. Of it's course a lot of we people. do. Yeah. It's, you, also, girls too. I can understand this. They, girls don't want at that age a bad angle, a picture. It's it's. Oh, they, it's they don't really care age. about that. They, they don't, don't
1: want anybody to know who they are. Huh. And they want autonomy. They want complete autonomy. They don't want the spotlight. They have no interest in being in entertainment. They want to be regular people. And I think it's because they grew up as regular people.
2: I think that the pendulum is going to swing in the next 10 years where autonomy is going to be the hottest commodity. Right. We There's so many people that have been, I don't want to say whoring themselves out, but like putting themselves out there mm-hmm. to get go viral or or have internet fame. And I think what's going to happen is the real thing is going to be to be autonomous. I think it's so fucking funny.
0: Anonymous or autonomous? Both.
2: Both. I think it's so fucking funny how Joe Rogan, obviously, I mean, you guys are very good friends with him. He's so, so famous. And I went and clicked his wife's profile. She's like a hundred followers. And in her bio, it says autonomy is yeah. underrated or something. Anonymity wow. is underrated. It's so funny. That is so funny. Yeah. But I think, like, that is going to be the hottest commodity to mm-hmm. be able to just be
0: mm-hmm. without for, all
2: of this. But for mm-hmm. what you so guys. On. I empathize with your daughters. Mm-hmm. I understand that. No, but for yeah. what
0: you guys do specifically, I don't think there's any way around it. Like, there's. we, we I, I look about like the genie out of the bottle.
1: Yeah, the cat's out of the bag it's for done.
0: sure. There's no going, like, hey, guys, never mind. Yeah. Yes. It's too late.
1: And we talked to them about that. Yeah. The way that we manage it with them is this is how I've managed it. So. Until about a year ago, I I ran everything we did. So, like everything. We had one personal assistant and no other employees. It was just me. So any email that came in from him from fans, I read. And there are so many people who say, thank you for talking about your kids. I have an Isla. I have a Georgia. I have both. This is how I look at my kids differently. I didn't realize my daughter had a learning disability until you talked about Isla's learning disability and and they've i keep framing it that they've helped so many people mm-hmm. you you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube so if we're going to deal with the toothpaste let's find it to be positive sure so this is what's paying for college this is what's help it's bought your first car and look at all these people that you're helping and you didn't even mean to do it and i can apologize and i can say i'm so sorry you're in this position all day long it's not going to change the position at this point. The only thing we can change is our perspective.
2: Being a parent is so fucking hard, though, because you look through what you went through as a child, and then, then you have kids, and you're, like, trying to do your best. You always try to do your best. You try to do your best, and you still always end up feeling guilty. It's uh-huh. unbelievable. Uh-huh. My
1: kids are so young, and I feel guilty about the stupidest shit. Oh, my kids are in therapy because of my parenting. Oh my and god! And I go, I'm the best parent, you know, lady. <laughs> oh, I'm the best one. Yeah. But I knew they're still gonna go to therapy. I feel like you just have to just know as a
2: parent. There, it's it's. There's no black and white. There's no handbook, and it's just they're gonna be mad at something.
1: And it's all perspective. I know. There's no oh. way. I mean, the snowflakes we've raised compared to my my childhood. That I go. In my brain constantly, you don't know what a hard time is, right? That's the hard part about doing it is you almost, like, do you bite your tongue or yes. do you say that? Yes. You bite your tongue. Yes, because you're projecting your experiences <gasps> okay. onto your children. And, and you there's have no way to they just, can
0: understand it anyway. They
1: can't understand yeah. it. Children are so self-centered until they're about 20 years old. Great, can't wait. <laughs> they don't have a perspective other than their own. They don't want one. They may get a little bit of it, but they don't want it until they want it. And you can keep giving it. I, I, listen, they know my story. It's not like I've, I'm this like person who hasn't shared my experiences growing up with them. But I don't share their experiences comparative to theirs. Right. Right. I think that's smart. Those are two different things. You should know who your mother and your father are and how they grew up because that'll give you a window into why they function the way they do. So true. That is good advice. Right. But good advice. I don't have to say, well, I walk through eight miles of snow to get to school right. and you just have to get on a bus. You know, that's where you start going. You That devalues their experience. So you don't want to devalue their experience. But it is good, I think, to give them a perspective, you know, that at a different time. A lot of things I've learned about parenting and about being married is that sometimes things don't need to be said when it's happening. You could learn that lesson a little more. You could tattoo
2: that on your asshole.
0: <laughs> I, and then it put though. it in the sun. You can
2: <laughs> just not help yourself.
0: Well, that's, that's you know what
2: I think to be, I'm um, to put you down for a second, I feel <laughs> like that's wisdom. You're gonna have to learn that she's just told you that. You're gonna have to just learn that after repetitively making the same mistake over and over with saying well, exactly I know, how you.
0: Feel. Here's the thing. I know when I do it that it's wrong. Mm-hmm. But can't I help yourself. Can't help myself. What yeah. did you
2: say this morning to me? I don't remember. I said, "Would you shut up?" And <laughs> you said, "You said you know." Oh, don't kick the beehive.
0: Oh my god! No, was, no, 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 no! Uh, no, you no. There's other way. This is actually the other way around. I was storming around. St- okay,
2: let me t- when he when he's frustrated. This is what it sounds like. <laughs>
0: that's a fucking exaggeration no it's not the toothpaste (laughs) cap
2: opens a little loud it's so like okay first of all
0: we're in a hotel room for the last two weeks third hotel room it could
2: be worse you could walk through snow eight miles get over it with
0: two kids under four not everything
2: needs to be said in the minute
0: let me tell my story now and i realized i had to get over here by 9 a.m for a meeting that was in the other room
2: hey People and r- the
0: breakfast wasn't coming. And I was like, I have to get. This the-
2: is so stupid. Look, listen how stupid and I was you sound flustered. telling the story. So, you sound so stupid. No, but, she,
0: but she, what she does, though, is she knows that I'm in a flustered moment. And that's the moment she decides to sting. You know, Yeah, she, that's she's called
2: gonna, being married to a woman.
0: And then my response is not great. And then I, my response this morning, I was like, just don't hit the but beehive you, when, but it's, can when it's you rattled Can you go out. off
2: on what you just said? Anyways. If not, everything needs to be said in that moment.
0: Anyway, Looks so like we got to move All on right. to the next. No, topic. no, no, no,
1: Leanne, keep going, keep going. What? Well, not nope. everything needs to be said in that moment is the biggest lesson I had to learn because similar to you, I, I, well, I was shut up my whole life, right? I couldn't mm-hmm. be honest with my mom. I chose not to talk to her a lot of the time, so I had to kind of learn to speak my mind, and. In any pendulum swing, right, you swing too far first and you have to find the middle. So am I swinging too far? I would start saying exactly what was on my mind when it was on my mind. And I don't care how it really don't care how it affects you. I need I need to have a voice here. Mm -hmm. And at a certain point, I went, well, what's the goal really? Is the goal to have a voice or is the goal to be understood? Is the goal to be cared for in a better way? Well, if that's the goal, then shut up right now. And when the time is right, when we're not so emotional, when we're not so invested, I can have the same exact conversation and it'll be received because I live with a one-upper. If I have a cut on my finger, Bert's definitely cut off his finger. Oh, fuck. If he cut off, if, if I cut off my finger, he's lost his arm. <laughs> I mean, there's like, there's no, I can never be the one that's the most fill in the blank. When we're now in we an emotional, can, we can turn when you, when
2: he comes in after this, I'm going to say that was the best podcast
1: I've ever listened oh, to. ever. Then you'll get out of him the best podcast you've ever had because he will try to annihilate this one. But yeah, so then I thought to myself, I'm never going to win in this scenario. Not that I'm trying to win, but I'm never going to get what I need in this scenario.
0: I'm going to replay this and do my best to take your advice because I think it's really good advice, especially Aww. for me. No, I mean it though. I but mean, do you
1: see well, how you. I waited for the
2: moment to bring it up, I, the right moment, and now I get my result? Very good. And go. that's exactly right. That's exactly
0: right. And, you know, as you're talking, there's a lot of things. We have different backgrounds, but there's a lot of things you're saying that resonate deeply with me it's like it's very i'm very similar maybe not the same exact like mapping of thoughts but like they're, they're they're the goal that i'm trying to get to is the same it's it's a good intention it's not it's not i'm not a malicious person in our conversation No, but you are annoying but yeah
1: <laughs> that's just because you're married yeah, you're right. annoying that's just because well, so
0: you think you're some peach right you think you're the easiest one
2: i think i'm easier than you
0: you're, oh my god Taylor's been our producer um, for twelve years. He knows the secret.
2: When when you live with your one upper, is he still one upping you to this day, or does he, or do you, do you not try to one up? Like do you not even go there anymore?
1: Oh, I don't go there. You just let let him one up. I don't let go him there. Be, have bleed out with his arm cut off. Well, let me tell you something about marriage. Your partner's not supposed to be your everything. I agree with you. No, that's not. That's not. If I need someone to give me what I need, I go to that person right? Bert gives me tons of what I need in tons of different areas. But if we're in a disagreement and I can feel like this is going to have to happen later, I'll call my girlfriend Sandy and go, let me tell you what this asshole just did. And then she will give me everything I need. And then two days later, I can have the real conversation with Bert saying, hey, you know, in that moment, this is what I needed and he can hear me. And then I can move forward. Mm -hmm. So it's not that I just eat my feelings or deny my feelings or... I go to the person who can help me with what I need at the moment. I have lots of friends who have lots of different purposes in my life. I have a therapist. I have a dad. I have great in laws. I have lots of resources to go to the right person. And I've kind of, I'm such an uh, open book and I'm such an open book with my intention with people that they, at this point, they all know why I'm coming with a problem. But in the beginning, I would say, hey, you're my person when I need a contrary point of view. You're my person when I need someone to see things exactly as I see them and ride or die for me. You're the person who needs to tell me what's going on inside me and get really analytical about why I'm doing this. So everybody kind of knows who they are for me, and I knew who those people are for me so I can reach out to the right people. Because it sounds like you're really good at communication. Uh, I think I had to learn that. But I think I am pretty good. Yeah, at it seems like you're really good at it.
0: Let's talk about Symbiotica again for the millionth time on this podcast. And that is because we absolutely love Symbiotica. I think the founders of Symbiotica, all of them over there, hold the record for most appearances on this show. We could talk to these people that run this company for hours, and that is because they're so knowledgeable. They have so much information when it comes to health and wellness. There are so many products that I could talk about on their line, which we've done for years, but two that I want to highlight today is their magnesium threonate and their glutathione. Every single morning when I have my coffee, I don't use any sweetener anymore. I take a little bit of raw milk and I put in magnesium L3 and 8. Magnesium is going to cross the blood-brain barrier. You can also put this in hot tea or matcha. It's great. there as well. That's one that I'm taking all of the time. And then their glutathione. I think Symbiotica has the best glutathione on the market. It is incredible. It's different than most glutathions that it's a liposomal delivery. So it's extremely effective. You actually eat the product. Those two products I'd like to highlight, but they also have so many products on their line. They're coming out with nothing but quality all the time. Symbiotica supplements are an easy and effective way to get your daily dose of nutrition and their subscription service is risk-free. You can modify or freeze it if you need to. Plus you get exclusive discounts, perks, and access to their community. It is so easy. So start your subscription today. You can save up to 15% off your subscription with our code skinny, just go to symbiotica.com and use code skinny on your subscription order. Again, that's symbiotica.com code skinny.
2: Melissa Wood Health. When I can't get a meditation in, in the morning, I like a legs up meditation, relax before my kids wake up. I will take her app and I will get Towns in a stroller and I will put on her 16 minute walking meditation and I will walk. And it's been so nice because having kids like Before kids, I used to meditate every single morning. I would meditate for fucking 30 minutes. And then with kids, I've had to like adjust. And this little tweak of doing a walking meditation has been so game-changing. After her meditation, I'll go straight to my notes app. I'll write all these notes down. I get so much clarity. I'm sure you've heard of Melissa Wood Health. If you haven't, you have to check out her app, MWH. It basically is designed to strengthen both your mind and your body. She has workouts, meditation, nutrition, lifestyle, Her content is stuff that I always find value in. I'll go on and like look at her grocery lists or listen to the episode on her app of why she got into meditation or even do a workout like when I need something quick and it always hits the spot. Melissa's workouts offer a blend of yoga and Pilates classes. She also has a seven day reset and renew program. Everyone's obsessed on Instagram and a week long nutrition program. As Melissa says herself, don't trust me, try me. Visit melissawoodhealth.com and use code SKINNY at checkout to get your first month free of your monthly membership. That's M-E-L-I-S-S-A-W-O-O-D-H-E-A-L-T-H.com. And you can use code SKINNY for your first month free. What other things have you learned about marriage? I think you're the perfect person to ask. You guys seem like you have a really solid marriage.
1: If it seems like it's life or death in the moment, it probably isn't. Like, if you think about something and you think, okay, 20 years from now, what will I think about this moment? And if it is like Puh, nothing, then, you know, have the argument, have the discussion, but have a different perspective on it. Something that we've done from the beginning that I think is really important is we do this thing called the summit where about once a year, maybe we have a meeting, like a business meeting. So the business meeting is about everything. It's about how are we communicating? How's our sex life? How's our money? How's our parenting? How's our wellness? How's, how's your parents affecting me? How are my parents affecting you? What do we want to do in business? It's like an overall kind of temperature taking of where each person is. And we put our weapons down at the door. You show up at the table with the intention of learning, right? Not the intention of being right? Or being the hero. But the intention of really learning what's your agenda for this year or this moment in time or this relationship. And here's mine. And wanting to understand where you each are. We've done that. I don't know how we figured that out. But we've done that from the beginning. How long is the summit? Depends on what we're talking about. Well, is it like
2: 10 minutes or is it like six hours? Totally depends on what we're talking about. Has it been six hours? Never been six hours. How long has it been the longest? Maybe hour, hour and a half. Okay. Okay. I'm going to buy a gavel off Amazon and I'm going to have a Summit. <laughs> no, her no,
1: summits, no. But then that makes be, you the judge.
2: That makes me the judge. No, you
1: can't do that. She would love that. to be the judge. No, okay. no, we I don't do do that. I want
0: to do Summit. I Summit. You know, some of the things that Lauren and I do is maybe not in the same way, but similar. Like we, Well, one, we always talk about like the recovery process. It's, mm-hmm. I, we see so many of our friends that are dating and they start fighting over the dumbest shit with their partners. And I'm like, this is not it. You're not going to care. Exactly. We are committed to rec- like the big stuff we got to go through. But the little stuff is like, that was stupid. Even if we get into it with each other, we just move on. Like we don't need, we don't need to go back and rehash it. We just look at each other. That was dumb. Right, yeah, same thing. On. Right. And I think I, when I watch some of my friends that are new to relationships and the dumb stuff is what's crushing them, I'm like, just let it go. It's not that important. It doesn't matter. Like this is, there's other things, especially as you get deeper in a relationship that are going to be much more important mm-hmm. to like, that's when you put your foot in the sand, but the stupid shit, like, you got to be able to recover from that stuff quick.
1: Totally. Don't sweat the small stuff, as corny as that sounds. That's exactly right. Don't sweat the small stuff. Try not to think, take things personally, I think. And, you know, we always keep saying you should be able to say anything to your partner, really. Mm-hmm. If your intention is not to hurt them, we don't name call. We don't defame character, ever. That's just not who we are. We don't do that in a fight with a stranger on the street. Sure. So if, you're, if you know your partner's intention is love, then you can hear things very differently. Once you start forgetting that they're not coming at you with love, you know, if you start thinking something a little different, it affects how you listen. Really, the most important thing is listening. It's not talking. It's listening. I right? hope you've been taking notes this whole podcast. <laughs> in a, in a, I can't wait to hear what weird, you learned.
0: In a weird way, though, I also think it's strange. We do this show together. And I almost feel in a strange way, and I don't want to call it therapy because I don't want to diminish therapy or therapists or people that are in therapy, but we get to, we've get we done 700 of these long conversations together. And I feel like it's been therapeutic for our relationship because I, I don't think a lot of couples spend a lot of time with an outside perspective, right? Like we can, I can hear this. I will take this information. And I know she is enthusiastic about me taking a lot of this information, but it's not, it doesn't have to be like this. It's like a third mm-hmm. perspective. Totally. We're like both in the same room. Does that make sense?
1: It does. It's almost like learning publicly, right? Mm-hmm. As opposed to when you go into a therapist's office, a couple, well, I've never been in couples therapy, but I would imagine that's such a private space. So you can, as we say in the South, you can act ugly. Mm-hmm. You know, you can act ugly with a therapist. You can't act ugly on a podcast. No. The whole world hears you. So you have to kind of be on your best behavior And listen, because I would imagine your goal is to learn out loud. So as you learn, your audience is also learning. So the intention here is to learn. Whereas if you would go into a private session with a couples therapist, that might not be your intention.
0: Yeah, I think sometimes maybe people will get frustrated with me personally because I'll repeat stuff back or clarify points. But to your point, I'm doing this show right now with the three of us in the room, almost disregarding that anyone's even potentially listening later Mm -hmm. and so I'm you're right I'm trying to absorb and listen and learn and hopefully there's a benefit from people that are listening Mm -hmm. but like selfishly I'm also like just kind of doing it for myself and trying to retain everything that I hear here yes you know
2: what is your day-to-day like like I feel like you guys have I know you said he's on the road a lot but I feel like your schedule is crazy too because you're organizing you also have your own podcast what is your day like what's the day in the life of Leanne
1: well, my life has changed a lot in the last year. You know, this we have 14 employees now. This time last year, we had one. How's so <laughs> uh, it's, it's interesting. I do not have a college degree. I am just somebody who's super scrappy. And I think I'm just logical and street smart. And, and I have a lot of history in comedy. So when we started building this company, it became apparent after we had three or four employees that someone needed to be the CEO. And that became me. Because I kind of know where all the bodies are buried in the whole scope of his world. And I know what's going on personally and what's going on in typical Hollywood and what's going on in atypical Hollywood. So my day-to-day now is not the same as when I had small kids. I did a lot of volunteer work when I had small kids for my kids' schools. I was super involved in all their sports. I'm, I'm still a Girl Scout troop leader. I've been a Girl Scout troop leader for 13 years. Both my girls are Girl Scouts. But now my days are really intense. I work out three days a week with a trainer. I'm in therapy one day a week. And then I go to the office and I'm at the office all day. Are Mom. you in the cold plunge sauna? I will not do that. I you apologize. Do uh, I tried to cold plunge for a week. And I think it caused a lot of trauma responses because I when I stayed with my dad, he lived in a 250 year old log cabin that didn't have heat. And let me tell you about cold in Georgia with no heat is pretty freaking cold. And every time I would get in there, it would make me so emotional. I tried it for one week every single day. And I was like, I don't really need to go through this. I'm good. But I sauna, I loved a sauna. But no cold pledge, no. That's interesting. No candy. It, it made you emotional. It was awful. I mean, standing in a <laughs> in this log cabin to take a shower, you have to get undressed, obviously. And it's like 32 in your bathroom. Oh, Just wow. in the air, right? And to get in that hot shower, I would and never would shower. Da, 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 da. Can you imagine me living awful. there? It was awful. It was awful. I would never shower. We had one fireplace, and so the only heat in the house was one fire. This one fireplace. We eventually built a fireplace to kind of put more heat in the house, but it. No, no, no I can't do cold like that. No, no boy, no. Butthole sunning, not me, not you. Yeah. Any, any other wellness Bert. things that you like to do? Well, I drink a ton of water, okay. which seems like oh duh, but no, I drink like a gallon of water a day. Um, like, actually, you drink a gallon? I do, yeah. Do you measure it out? Yes, I do. I have a bottle that's not with me, but I the drink four life. of these bottles every day. Yes. Water is, you know what my trainer? I my, a shitload of water. My trainer is amazing. He is the trainer for the U.S. Olympic beach volleyball team. And his uh, number one thing is water. It's like you're 70% water in your body. You just need a lot of water. It lubricates your joints. It helps you sleep. It makes your skin look better. And it makes you more effective as an athlete.
2: Who is your favorite comedian, out of all the comedians that you hang out with, besides, personally?
1: Besides Bert, yeah, yeah. Well, Dave Attell.
0: He is really talented too.
1: Dave Attell yeah, is, is one of the best. Personally, amazing. Personally, what do you mean personally?
2: Like not on stage. Oh, you mean as a person, as a friend?
1: Mm, I like Andrew Santino a lot. God, I don't know all these comics. He's a great guy. Shane Torres is one of our closest friends. Dave Williamson is a very I close friend. I bet it's friends. pretty funny when you guys all go out. I, imagine. I don't know about funny. You know, comics are Mark Norman is I forgot. Sorry, Mark. Mark Norman is probably I call him my little brother. He's just the best. But, you know, comics are funny, but they're not normal people. So there are a lot of neuroses, a lot of paranoia, and some of them, a lot of dysfunction. What do you mean neuroses? What do, What do you mean by that? Like OCD stuff, ruminating I mean, on stuff. Think, think
0: about the kind of mind that has to, be, that goes and pursues that, and is that. You know what I mean? It's got. It's not a. I, I don't want to be. It's It's, it's not. No, that's not a common mind. It's no. like, Hey, I'm gonna go and stand in front of a bunch of people and tell jokes for a living, and that's it. If you think about it, you've got to be a little bit crazy, but like that's going to be the way that I make a living is yeah, go in front of a bunch of people and tell jokes.
1: they don't process the world like other people, right? They'll process the world very differently. so in those processes that it, it it's sometimes looks like pain, sometimes it looks like obsession, sometimes it looks like, you know lack of ethics or. It just looks different. So I think knowing what's at the core is what you have to what you have to do when you hang out with a bunch of comics.
2: I can imagine, too, that you save your energy capacity for stage, mm-hmm. meaning you you can't go out and to me, this is what I would think if I was a comic. You can't go out and waste all your, like funniness and performance when you're just out in a normal day. You almost have to save it to use it on stage. Does
1: that make sense? Yeah, there's a lot of sleeping that happens on tour. A lot of naps.
2: Yeah, you have to like recharge, recharge. Mm -hmm. I I I mean, I don't know. That's what I would think.
1: They're very nonconformists. You know, all of them are nonconformists. And what's interesting about it is they still conform to the schedule of a stand-up, right? But the schedule of a stand-up is so skewed, you know, their night starts at 7 or 8. And then they're in bed at 2 or 3. So then they're sleeping till noon and then they'll take a nap at four you know there's a lot of sleep involved but they're very much nonconformists, and i love that about them i love i love the whole community of of comedy because they have such a unique perspective on life and how do you learn if you just walk through your own perspective all day uh-huh. you can't possibly learn yep and why wouldn't you want to learn a different perspective through laughter you know i, I hate it when comics get canceled Sometimes they probably should be canceled, but most of the time I go, wow, you really just can't look at it just slightly off color. It's just slightly off color lets you know where you may be slightly off color.
2: But also comics aren't going to start. They're going to start to feel like they can't do anything. But and it's like a laser don't tag. Don't feel game. like the pendulum
0: speaking of pendulums that it's swung back a little now where I feel like mm-hmm. people are like, we need comedy uh, now absolutely. to call out the absurdities. And I think it's absurd. there was a window of time there. Let's call it 2020 to maybe 20 end of 22 but I feel like now people are like okay bring back the comedy
1: I think that window of time did a great deal of damage for a lot of reasons yeah I think I think a lot of the social issues that were going on were very confusing for the middle school high school age kids that were listening to you know me too movement which was a really important movement but when you're an undeveloped brain my what I've seen happen is a lot of girls be really scared of guys And I go, well, that sucks.
0: Vice versa. A lot of guys just will not.
1: Exactly. You're exactly right. It it I think about even
0: how, I I, if I was a young guy during that time, like the only way that when I was dating, you have to actually go up to a woman. Right. Right. Like I would just be like, I'm not going up to anyone.
2: You were trying to 69 me at McDonald's,
0: so I don't know (laughs) what you would have done. Were you
1: still in the blue sequin dress? (laughs) Uh, I was (laughs) 13. 13. I wasn't wearing the blue sequin I might go
0: buy one of those. No, but I, I just, I imagine men and women, it's like, Men don't want to... Uh, I think th- that period of time did so much damage. Like dating is... Uh, we hear horror stories now of just people dating. They don't mm. know what to do. They don't know how to go about it. It's like it's just a mess.
1: And high schools... The, I have a high schooler and I watch her whole peer group go, wow, this is a whole new world. And what caused this whole new world? What's Why are we here? And the only thing I can come up with is the pandemic
3: mm-hmm.
1: and me too. And, and the... A lot of bad guys got exposed. A lot of bad behavior. I shouldn't say guys, but a lot of bad behavior was exposed in Me Too. And I think kids, the girls don't, we're too young to process it and we're still exposed to it. Does that make sense? Yeah, they just think, now they think
0: that behavior is... Standard. Standard. And it's not
1: standard. It's the outliers and those outliers are are inarguably terrible people, just like there are outliers in every community that have yucky people. It's unfortunate. Anyway, a tangent. I, I love a tangent. I love I feel it.
0: Like I got a PhD on this on this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> no, you do not. Hopefully you
1: got you a have PhD. have so in many marriage. brilliant people on this podcast. No, that was I, a good one. I really no, really that enjoyed that. Um, uh,
2: where can everyone find you? Your podcast, tell us about what you're working on. I want you and Bert to come on together later on, but tell us what you're working on, tell us about your podcast, everything that you're doing and where to find you on Instagram.
1: Okay. Well, I'm the CEO of Birdie Boy Productions. So you can go to birdieboyproductions.com to check that out. We just produced a great stand-up special for Shane Torres that you can watch on YouTube and listen to on Series XM. Uh, I'm very proud of it. I've produced all of Burt's specials, but this was the first special I produced that was not Burt. So I'm very proud of that. Congrats! Wife of the Party is my podcast. You can go to wifeotp.com. That's my website. You can also listen anywhere you listen to podcasts. You can find me on YouTube. Oh, and Instagram, Leanne Kreischer. Is my Instagram. Thank you Thank very Leanne. much for coming on. Thank I'm, you're I'm, awesome. I'm truly gonna go tell him this was the best podcast I've ever listened to. <laughs> he might Thank
3: you might
0: cross pass them in the lobby. <laughs>